This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Your sous chef of the garden. And I'm, it's Frank Proctor here. I don't think your mic is on. Hello. Are we on now? We're on okay. Okay, good. Yeah. Good morning. Well, good morning. Uh, You're sorry, that's me, me, little... me with my headphones not turned up, I guess. Well, there you Aww. are, you paranoid little thing. Good uh, heavens. <laughs> I can't believe you call me paranoid. <laughs> well. Of all uh, people. Uh, by the way, this is a, a lovely Saturday morning, but what's going on with the weather? I want to know what the hell's going on with the weather. Marilyn just told me it's going to get warm next week. Well, you had to scrape some frost up your windshield this up morning. there in the tundra. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Yeah, really. It's That's just it. You crazy. live north of the 401 and everybody thinks it's the tundra, <laughs> nosebleed country, as my well, brother calls I'm, it. I'm <clears> telling <throat> you, Charlie, I'm getting sick of it. I want you to do something about it, okay? Uh, I'm working on it. We did have All a nice right. day this past week. Oh, uh, yes, Pe- we did. People were out there. I saw yeah. them, you know, picking up the garbage, the stuff that's suddenly become very right. evident. The snow's gone. All the broken branches. Right. So. And we want to put James Patrick Dooley to work, our pro- producer here, mm-hmm, you know. Our new so, operator, yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, so, and he's flying solo, so be kind to him, folks when you call in, okay? <laughs> All right. And he's a good-looking lad. Uh, are you single, by the way, uh, James? Yes. <laughs> oh, oh well, we'll be on the lookout for a, big grin a on smart that girl one. for you. Okay. <laughs> or a dumb one, depending on what you like. <laughs> you know. Move right. on. Garden All show. All right. All right. Leave, quit hitting me. <laughs> All right. The phone lines for Toronto, 416 And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 866 740 4740. The mantra goes this way. Call early, call often. One question per call. And Patrolman Proctor is on the scene. And I've got a ticket book today, too. I'm going to hand out tickets. Uh, uh, no, no, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Right. That's you all the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, can, I, can I make some announcements? Are you finished? Oh. Yes. Thanks. Oh, this is your show. I forgot, Thanks. of course. Charlie, yes. <laughs> all right. Good. Good. Heads up on Patrolman Proctor. But in the meantime... <laughs> Uh, Just some updates and announcements. Tomorrow, I'm at the Sarnia Home Show uh, presenting twice. I'll be on stage at 1 p.m. speaking on tips and techniques for great containers. And then at 3 p.m., modern roses for every garden. Sarnia Home Show takes place at the Clearwater Arena Complex, which is 1400 Wellington Street in Sarnia. Monday evening... From 6.30 to 8.30, I'll be in Exeter at the South Huron Rec Centre, presenting ideas for the community to participate in, listen to this, uh, this competition, Wheelbarrows of South Huron, a creative gardening contest. So that's going to be fun. I think that's, that's, we're going to get sort of everybody juiced up and jazzed up with some good ideas, so that contest will be a lot of fun throughout the summer. After I finish speaking in Exeter on Monday night, I'll be staying with... Should be about 12.30 in the morning. I'll be... No, I won't, because guess what I have to do next? I'm staying with one of the Communities and Blooms volunteers that I met in the past in the Exeter area. Will you shush? She lives on a farm. 
And I jokingly said I wanted to milk <clears throat> some cows, knowing that she doesn't live on a dairy farm. Well, turns out she's um, set up an appointment for 5 a.m. Tuesday morning for us to go off to milk some cows. Oh, wonderful. I'll warm up your hands. Be reporting That's more my, on that in my the future. Only <laughs> oh, thanks. Why? <laughs> well, the cows will be able to kick you. Mm. Start grabbing dangly things with cold hands. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll write that down. The best advice so far from Frank. Uh, Okay, and then coming up on Wednesday, April the 10th, of course, next Wednesday, the Burlington Hort Senior, sorry, the Burlington Hort Society General Meeting, 7.30 p.m. at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street. The speaker is Theo Blom. He's a horticulturalist. He's going to speak about peonies, a hobby god grown out of hand. Of course, refreshments are served and all are welcome. Oh, you know what? Here's another one I should just do because it's coming up. The Peterborough Hort Society and Area Master Gardeners and the Northumberland Master Gardeners invite you to the 2013 Peterborough Garden Show. That's next weekend. For more information, go to www.peterboroughgardens.ca. Admission is $6 a person. Children 12 and under are free. There is lots of parking. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a good show. I remember I was there last year. Indeed you were, and they didn't ask you back, eh? You noticed that. (laughs) I was hoping you wouldn't. Well, it's it's that business of yours speaking until 1230 in the morning. (laughs) I feel necessary to comment on that. And uh, stay with us. We have a special guest coming up on the half hour. Somebody who's almost Frank's neighbor, John Vallow, formerly of Valley Brook Gardens and Heritage Perennials. He's also the geeky label guy at Canada Blooms, and he's a partner in the Fiber Garden. So he's going to be with us That's in a little while. That's a wonderful while. shop, by the way. Yeah. Well, we'll learn more about it. Yeah. Oh, that was a cue to me to shut up, right? Yes, pretty well. Okay. Or I think, do, what do we do? We're doing a break now. I would think, Okay, yeah. we do a little break. Give me time to recover from the <laughs> onslaught uh, offered up by Charlie Dobbin, the master gardener here and boss. <laughs> Okay, so uh, get those That's phone mean. numbers logged in. We've already got calls lined up, or at least mm. James Patrick Dooley has. And uh, we'll be along very shortly with uh, your questions and Charlie's answers. Okay, back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And a fun good Saturday morning to you. Hold over from uh, March 17th. Oh, Never mind. And don't forget your, the bell. Oh, the bell. Yes, yes. First time callers, let me know. Yeah. You'll get the ding of the bell. Mm-hmm. Okay. Diane from Scarborough, first on the line. Oh, gee, how lucky you are, Diane. <laughs> good morning and welcome. Hello? Good yes, morning. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> I've been listening to you for a while. I'm feeding my dog here with his pills and in 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 meatballs. So oh wow! I'm all messed up. <laughs> Gee, let me medication. line up next. I'm starved. It's <laughs> medication. Um, I'm first time caller. Oh, oh wait. Okay. Okay. There cool. You are. Welcome. You have I'm calling about uh, when I called in. I said Euonymus, and mm. the young man asked me how to spell it, and I didn't know how to spell it. But sorry. It's all phonetics usually on, on the screen. <laughs> I know what you're, what you're calling about. Well, it has um, a white powder. Mm-hmm. That they, There's two, three bushes that I I'm, might be losing, I guess. So um, it's like a white powder on, on the branches. We've had this uh, call on this before, actually. Pardon? Uh, we've had some calls about this uh, in the last few months. How old are the euonymus? Well, they're, they're probably... 
15 years old or older. Yeah, what... Would be close to 20. Right. I know. That's the thing. They do get old, and uh-huh. when they get old, plants lose vigor. And for whatever reason, it might just be the, so those hot, droughty times we get in the summer. Like last summer, we had quite a hot yes. spell. The euonymus really suffers when it gets super dry. Mm-hmm. And um, when a plant is suffering and under stress, it will be very, very open to infestations but from insects and diseases. What you likely have on your euonymus is an insect called scale. Yeah. And uh, the scale are, if you look closely on the bark, so on the gray bark, on the stems and branches, and even on the underside of some of the leaves, you'll see little, oh, they're just blobs. Bumps. Yeah, bumps, really, and they're gray, so they mm-hmm. blend right into the bark. But under that bump, under that little shell, is an insect. And the okay. insect is actually sucking juices from the plant. From the plant. And as it moves along and lives its entire life, moving very small distances, they poop. And all that white stuff you're seeing is is scale poop, or what's it properly called? Fraz. Fraz. I knew that. Wouldn't you know I'd know that? Yeah. <laughs> so, so what are you going to do? Well, you know what you can do now, and certainly with this upcoming week, we've got some good weather for it. There is a spray called Dormant Spray. It is a kit, typically. It's a box with two bottles in the box. One is horticultural oil. The other is lime sulfur. And you follow the instructions, mixing the oil, the lime sulfur, and water together, and you spray your euonymus and your um, roses, your crab apples, your raspberries, all kinds of plants now while they're dormant uh, to try and control some of these overwintering insects. Now, okay, what's the name of it again? Dormant spray. Dormant. And we use it while the plants are dormant. Now, of mm-hmm. course, euonymus are an evergreen, so they're not never truly dormant. And that's part of the challenge of spraying them. So read all the instructions thoroughly. Mm-hmm. It, it is a very tough insect to control, but it is worth a try. Okay, because um, there, there was a few years ago that I had one, and um, what I did was cut it right back, and, and, it, and I saved it. It, it, mm-hmm. came, it came back. So. Well, that's it exactly. I mean, you may end up wanting to do that again, uh, yeah. but, but make sure if you are doing some radical pruning, particularly on such an old plant, that you fertilize this spring and, mm-hmm. and amend the soil. Get some nice, good quality, heavy-on-the-organic-matter kind of compost mm-hmm. and put some of that around your euonymus, you know, a good half inch of, of fresh compost at okay. the base. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Good Good luck with that. Thanks for your call. Wonderful. Hello, Frank. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Have a lovely show. Thank you. Thank Thank you you kindly. Okay. And uh, she has very good taste. Obviously, she does. Yes. Nineteen minutes after nine here at AM seven forty. And unfortunately, because I talk so long at the front (laughs) end of the show, I've got to say we've got to take a little break now. I got chastised for that. Um, <clears throat> by the way, yes. I, I, well, I know what we're going to talk about, Sierra Seal. I was going to ask, how is Dolly? Your Dolly, mom? my mom, my yeah. frisky mom. Your frisky mom. Well, mom was over for Easter last weekend. Yeah. We had a lovely dinner at, at our place, and she told me that uh, she's recently restarted taking Sierra Seal because she had some other medications on the go through rheumatologists and stuff, and it just wasn't a good idea to get too confused with all these various medications. So she's off all that. Went back onto Sierra Sill, and she said she is doing jumping jacks higher than anybody at her at her. Um, That's great. She does a aqua 
what, do you, what would you call Exercise it? Yeah, yeah, class. Like it's a class yeah. at the Y in the water. And she said she feels really good. Like it's, uh, she really notices a difference. My mom is 85, I think, oh, or lovely. soon to be 85. And yeah, she's really, really happy with the results uh, in, you know, 14 days, which is where the number comes from. For more information on Sierra Sill, give them a call at one eight seven seven joint 14 or check them on the web sierrasill.ca or pick up Sierra Sill at many of your local health food providers like Ambrosia Foods, both in Newmarket and Thornhill. And what a wonderful daughter you have, Dolly. I mean, to think that she'd actually tell your age on the air (laughs) and not maybe, through the goodness of her heart, lower it to, say, 67 which I would have done, but never mind. Well, you're that's a just better me. person than okay, me, that's obviously. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. you picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, Charlie, let's welcome from Toronto, Beverly, who is on the line anxious to talk to you. Hi, Beverly. Good morning, Frank and Charlie. Good morning. I have. I was glad to hear about that euonymus. Mm. <laughs> I have a similar thing in a hedge and a standard tree. Oh, but yeah, my main problem is I have two circular beds. They're about eight feet in diameter. Mm-hmm. But I usually put geraniums in one and begonias for a big show. Mm-hmm. And this year I'm going to be away a lot and I can't water them. So I would like some suggestions that something that's drought tolerant. Mm-hmm. Well, um, so you're away for, during the summer, you're saying, yeah. and you're concerned that they might I'll suffer. i back and forth, but not here to water them every week. Um, well, okay, the geraniums are of the two eight-foot beds you referred to. Is one in more sun and the other in less sun? Um, yes. Okay. But they're, it's a southern exposure on, on the garden. Okay, so they're both in fairly bright, yeah. long days of sun. You know what? Geraniums are a great choice in a hot, sunny location. A couple mm. of things you can do to help prolong the show is, of course, ensure the soil is, is of top quality. If it's a bit tired and hasn't had any amendments in a number of years, I would get some triple mix, compost, any good organic material in, um, amend you know into that soil. Okay. You know, a full half inch or an inch if you can fit it in. Get that mixed in. Get the geraniums planted. Once they're planted, I would fertilize and I would use a slow-release fertilizer. There's some great ones out there. I know um, Scott's miracle Grow makes a wonderful... Yeah, it's a pelletized fertilizer that you kind of just sprinkle on the surface of the soil and it will continue to feed right through the whole summer. Hmm. Then get mulch on top. And mulch, yeah. of course, being some of the, you know, shredded bark mulch that will yeah, help. You have it. Yeah, hold, that'll help hold moisture in the soil. It'll help keep the soil cool. Because, and that's what you want in those sunny spots so that the moisture will stay there longer. Of course, it'll also keep weeds down so maintenance becomes less. And, and the only thing is that geraniums look best when deadheaded, as I'm sure you know. I know. <laughs> so that would be your one thing is, um, uh, you know, if you're not there off in your way a lot during the summer, I mean, maybe there's a neighbor or a neighborhood, you know, kid, child. Kids are great when it comes to some of these things. Who could be doing that for you? Just the simple deadheading. Mm-hmm. And keep them looking good because geraniums are great. They'll withstand long, hot, dry days and and keep on perking along. I was thinking of uh, at the flower show. I saw some miniature grasses, mm-hmm. and I was just wondering if I could put maybe one circular, sort of mid bed right around the tree. I have a 
Sikuanimus in the middle of one and a, a blue spruce in the middle of the other one. Mm. So I thought maybe if I did something just to put a bit of green in there. Would that work? Well, there are some lovely grasses, no question. And again, very drought tolerant. Uh, you know, the ornamental grasses, they come from little tiny short, you know, carex and hakanakloa, various little short yeah, fescues. But sometimes they're only, you know, four or five inches tall. <clears throat> come with in some great colors as well. Variegations and blues and greens right up to, you know, huge, big, tall grasses, which can be super, super rewarding. But yeah, no, little, the little fescues are the ones that are best for, you know, those really hot, dry, drought tolerant. How do you spell that? F-E-S-C-U-E. Here's some really good blue uh, fescues for the ornamental gardens. The other thing is sedum, S-E-D-U-M. Uh, yep. Sedum are perennials. They come in very low ground cover sizes. Oh, I tried that last year around the, the edge of one of the beds, and mm-hmm. it just looked awful. Oh, <laughs> well, there you go. Cover <laughs> uh, advice isn't always bang on, you know. Well, no, it's not just some plants do better yep. in some situations. Sedum, you know, you really can't kill it. You can run it over no, with the car, right. and it'll just keep on growing. But, you know, it's got to look good. It's got to be, you yeah, know, thick yeah. and, and lush and flowers late in the season. So it can be pretty, pretty ornamental that way as well. It didn't really look good with flowers till the fall. Yeah, there you go. Um, where can I get these sedums, or at least the uh, fescue? You're calling from Toronto. Yeah. Uh, Sheridan Nurseries carries all kinds of wonderful oh, okay. uh, perennials. If there's one of those close to you, or ne- yep. maybe you're near Plant World, or, or um, you know, wh- which end of Toronto are you in? I'm about Young and 401. Oh, well, there you go. Young and 401, you're perfect to head south to Sheridan's or cross Shepherd to, to another Sheridan's. Loblaws yep. has a great garden center starting up usually in mid-May. Yeah. Uh, and you're close to one of those as well. Okay. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. And I just, I really put an awful lot of spray on my euonymus. I have a hedge behind one of the beds. And then this one sick euonymus in the middle. Mm. And I spray them to death, and they look a funny color now. I don't know whether I could have killed them. What color are they now? Um, well, the, the leaves are still on the hedge. Okay. They're a green and white. My, my yellow and green euonymus was not touched. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is near a high hedge behind it as well, so it doesn't get as much light. Mm-hmm. But the tree is just totally dormant. Um, so no leaves it. on it at all then? Or just crispy leaves? Pardon? Are the leaves crispy or did they drop? Um, no, some drop, but there's still quite a bit on the plant. All right. Well, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. No worries. A little pruning will help sprout some more leaves okay. once we get growing out there. Yeah. Okay. Thanks well, ever so much. Thank You're very you, welcome. Thanks and for I calling. am a first time caller. Oh, you missed me there, oh. Frank. There we are. Welcome and thank you. <laughs> Just like Clarence, you've Thanks, arrived. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Okay. Little angel of the uh, I garden show. I love that, eh? Two, two okay. first-time callers. Yeah, how about that? <clears throat> uh, we have uh, Dave on the line. Dave, no, not Dave. We have John on the line. I'm sorry, John. Oh, John We're, is on the line. Uh, th- Dave, hold, hold tight there. Uh, we'll be back you in just a few moments. We've got, uh, got John so confused. Bello to have a chat with. Good yes. morning. Yes, good morning, John. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. You know, Hi, John. You know Frank, right? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> All right, I didn't get a chance to tell everybody who you are. John Vello has just joined us <clears throat> from the Fiber Garden in Jordan Station. Lovely little village. And John formerly worked for Valley Brook Gardens. 
and heritage perennials. He wrote the book about perennials, and he's my one of my best geeky volunteers at Canada Blooms. <laughs> he's the label guy. So all those little plant tags on all the plants uh, happen because John makes them happen. John, by the way, is a wonderful flautist. Ah, uh, he's a yeah. highly talented no. guy, actually. Oh, stop. Here we oh, go. Well, he's you gonna... got it floated. That's what I said. <laughs> he's, he's blushing. I can hear him blushing. <laughs> but why we're really talking to John is we want to talk about his latest venture, and that is himself and his partner, Alan, launched the Fiber Garden in 2009. So tell us, tell us, John, what's, what's the Fiber Garden? Well, we, we get many people that walk in. Um, especially during May and June, walk into the shop and say, are you a garden center? <laughs> Which is hilarious because it's a you know big old two-story house with uh, the messiest garden you can imagine <laughs> around it. No, uh, it's appropriately not that with a sign that says the Tangled Garden. Yeah. Uh, if your garden's a mess, make a sign, call it something appropriate, yeah. and <laughs> then you have an excuse. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, we don't sell plants. Um, we sell spinning wheels. All the fibers that spinners can make yarn out of. Um, I hand dye all kinds of yarns. Oh, and, you know, all the accessories for people working with fiber crafts of various kinds, felters, knitters, weavers. Yeah, my wife bought a wonderful weaving machine. Uh, she did. It's called a loom frame. Yep. <laughs> weaving machine. Oh, dear. Go, John, go. <laughs> it's slap Frank around day, I think. <laughs> I already oh, slapped him earlier, dear. so now you just did it, too. Okay. Thank He's, you, John. It's because he put himself up so high in his chair. I had to take him down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, so back to you all. So what got you into this, into the idea of natural dyes and, and well, supplying? Well, yeah, Alan had been knitting forever. He's mm-hmm. an amazing knitter, and uh, I bought him a spinning wheel one year for Christmas, uh, so he started spinning, and then mm. uh, then I got curious and wanted to learn how to do it. Um, but what really got me going was our local hand weaving and spinning guild had a dye workshop weekend. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I thought, you know, I've always wanted to use natural dyes from plants to make yarn pretty colors. Mm-hmm. Ever since I was a kid, I'd wanted to do that. So this was the perfect chance. So I played hooky for a day from work and ran around and to the hardware stores and things and got all the supplies I needed, pots and and all that stuff, and, uh, and then I, I happened to have a couple of books, so the books were a uh, great help for me to, to get started. So I ran around with my truck and raided the local ditches and raided the... the uh, yeah, so I could just see you out there with like a big scythe, you know, along <laughs> oh, in the yeah. ditches, well, no, cutting uh, down... My hand pruners did the job. Uh, oh, yes, yeah, so you didn't need that much. No, then, and no. uh, then I, I was working at the nursery then still, so I raided some of the... Um, do a lot of raiding, things like you know shafted daisies that were about to get pruned or thrown out yeah. anyway, and and this and that. And uh, would you be taking the flowers on the shastas or the whole the yeah, leaves and stems? Oh, just the flower. Okay, so that's yeah, cool. So, Good access. So yeah. then uh, we did the dye workshop, and uh, that was a a lot of fun. And I had lots of yarn that was neat colors, and uh, I just kept doing natural dyeing after that, and. So the big pot on the stove, the concoction, yeah. the wooden spoon. And it has kind of usually purple hands, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> unfortunately, that's one of the downsides of natural dyeing is that um, about oh, 99% of the plants out there give you some variation of yellow to tan oh, to yeah. brown. 
Oh, browns and yellows. And so it's things like purples, blues, uh-huh. reds that are very hard to find in the plant world. Uh-huh. And and oddly enough, I mean, every most plants are green, and green is a color that's very hard to do with natural dyeing. Wow. Because chlorophyll just doesn't... It, once you heat it up, it just uh, doesn't exist. Actually, chlorophyll exi- doesn't, doesn't bond to wool, so uh-huh. that's why. Yeah, I guess there's a lot of chemistry to this. Oh, there's a lot of chemistry. And natural dyeing's fun because you could repeat everything next year and get... Completely different results. Well, not completely oh, different, but you so. know, you'd never match the same color. It's like wine, right? Exactly. It's a lot I, like winemaking. Well, so what, what color a plant gives depends mm-hmm. so much on the, the growing season it's had. So the, the customer actually walks in and buys a unique mm-hmm. uh, item. Yeah. It won't be the same ever. Right. And well, that's where, even with the yeah. artificial synthetic dyes, they still have dye lots, right? Because, right. you know, it's never uh, and exactly. that's the thing. I, I progressed to using synthetic dyes, um, particularly in the winter mm-hmm. when there aren't as many plants available. And uh, synthetic dyes, it's dead easy to get, you know, a garish turquoise <laughs> if you want it. So, uh, but uh, with uh, the synthetic dyes, I do everything very uh, measured and, mm. and calculated and, you know, with stock solutions and mm-hmm. using uh, syri- horse syringes I get at the farm store. And, oh, really? For measuring? Yeah, for measuring. Like so drops that, and stuff. Exactly, so that wow. my dye lots from one to the next can, can be as close as possible because somebody might want 10 skeins to make a sweater. Sure. So you want them to match as close as you can. And what I've discovered is it's actually easier for me to match them more closely than it is for a group, big commercial mill. Ah, I believe that's it. dying, you know, thousands of pounds at a time. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, Interesting. Yeah. And so, um, and when you're using some of those synthetics in the wintertime, and as you say, it's, the, you know, you've got your lab coat on and you're, oh, yeah. you're doing this like, you know, big bright lights, you know exactly what you're doing. But is there any smells involved with the synthetics the way I can imagine there probably is with some of the, some probably interesting smells with the natural dyes? Well, the natural dyes tend to, by and large, be stinkier mm. because often you soak the, uh, say you chop up a bunch of leaves and soak them for a day or two. And if it's uh, hot August, July, August weather, and I usually stick them outside, they can start to ferment. Out in the sun. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's best to do those outdoors on a hot plate. I would think. Whereas Did- with the synthetic dyes... Uh, some certain colors or certain brands have kind of a distinctive chemical smell. My, the blue that I use all the time, I always think smells like old socks. Mm. But um, but not once it's like yeah, um, done have, complete. You know, nice perfume scent. <laughs> no, but, that would be uh, worth the working. Chemical smell from it's actually not too bad, and and there's not really any dangers from from uh, you know working with them as far as fumes or anything. Oh, so, right, good point. Yeah. yeah, and uh, but there could be with some of the natural dyes, couldn't there? Uh, possibly. I mean, I have seen poison ivy listed on the mm. lists of natural dye plants. Oh, really? But you haven't I tried don't it. I think I want to try that. <laughs> no, I guess no. not. Well, yeah, because think about it. Just the, it goes right into the potentially the oil that's so we, you know most of right. us are so allergic to would be right in the steam. I would think exactly. that's one of, one of the issues. You know, you bent over or something, it's right in your nostrils. Just to clarify your location for folks who might have just oh, joined in. Okay, we're uh, talking with John Vallo. Yes, he is the proprietor, co-proprietor of the Fiber Garden in Jordan Station, and a couple more things. He is open four days a week. 
Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays from 11 till 5, and Sundays 12 till 4. And the Fiber Garden's actually right in your home. It is, yeah, in the, the front part of our house. So what made you take that kind of a radical change up to gardening outdoors, living in your house, to all of a sudden creating the tangled garden outside and the fiber garden inside? Well, have you seen um, Lynn Crawford's show oh, where yes. she she's a chef mm-hmm. um, and she well. runs around going to farms and helping out, pitching in. Pitching in. Oh, oh great show. Well, and she always says this thing in her uh, you know preamble to the show that she was a, you know, five-star chef, and she lost her passion. And every time she says that, I think, you know, that's exactly what happened to me. I just, I lost my passion for horticulture mm-hmm. in a professional way. Mm-hmm. First, I got sick of hearing myself speaking at events, <laughs> and I just thought, if I say that one more time, I'm just going to scream. Um, so I, you know, cut back on that and didn't miss it at all. And then uh, I just, you know, kind of thought I can't sit at this desk doing this for the rest of my life yeah. at a computer. Yeah. So I Writing. needed yeah. a change. Yeah. Maybe was... it was my midlife crisis. <laughs> I don't know. But it all just sort of fell together. And uh, as of, uh, I wrote my last issue of of the Out of the Blue newsletter in February, and I'm officially done. Retired. So, well, as a, as a repeat customer, most my of wife the fiber goes in garden, and yeah. buys several items there. I can guarantee you a wonderful visit, folks. Honest to Pete, yeah. you walk in there, it's a myriad of colors, it's and you beautiful. won't believe yeah. what John has been able to do uh, with dyeing some of these uh, yarns. It's just uh, beautiful, really. Is. Yeah, you just want to touch them all. Yeah. And yeah. that's, you know, kind of, uh, it translates from gardening, mm-hmm. where it's all about color, mm-hmm. to suddenly something totally different. And Longer it's still term. all about color. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. everything I ever learned about, you know, the color wheel mm-hmm. and, still relevant. and landscape design has um, <laughs> come in quite handy, actually. Oh, good for you. And, and you know, I was looking at my garden as it, it's been icky cold weather the last week, but I, I think I'm actually back for doing some gardening for the first time uh-huh. in a number of years. All right. Because, well, you know, Charlie, mm-hmm. you're, you're in the industry do you not sometimes feel like there's this pressure on you to have your own personal garden perfect perfect oh, at yeah. all times oh, and yeah. ready for the bus to arrive? Yep, of, absolutely. <laughs> and that's a pressure that's very hard to live up to. Yeah, so you tend to just put on blinkers and get in the car and drive. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't look. <laughs> but you told me when we spoke yesterday that you had some really sweet little irises and crocuses oh, blooming right now. Uh, it's going to be a nice, beautiful, warm day, and they're just at their peak of perfection. They're oh, the little reticulata iris that are blue. rich violet blue. Yeah. And then neck, they started growing in and among some little clumps of uh, orange crocus. And they bloom exactly the same time. And, and I actually did plan that. It's one of the <laughs> things I've ever planned. 20 years ago. So good combo going on and good inspiration for yeah. whether it's fibers or getting out and getting some fresh air in your garden. Right. Now, if people can't get to your shop uh, during they the time. shop online or... Yeah. Shop. See what we're about at our website? www.fibergarden.ca. Correct. F I the Canadian way. B R E garden.ca. Way to go. Keep and it if Canadian, you get to Jordan, John. You find Cave Springs uh, Winery. Oh, that's right. And if you're standing on the street looking at Cave Springs Winery, just go to your left. One house. Yeah, John's yeah, right one there. One house. The great big two story 
bright yep. orange house with purple doors. There yeah, you go. Yeah. He, oh, yeah. Color codes everything. <laughs> he does. He's a colorful guy. <laughs> Thanks a lot, John. Great talking to you. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Frank. Take care, John. Take care. See you soon. He's a great guy, too. He is. He really is a super guy. And, uh, boy, knowledgeable about... Uh, Stuff. and Oh, mm. yeah. It's just endless, you know, the stuff he knows. It's anywho, true. Anywho, yep. uh, here we are on The Garden Show yes. from AM740. Charlie Dobbin, of course, the master gardener. I am uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of under the garden. Gardener. Under gardener. Way under yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Capital U. Me, she's been hitting me and everything. Uh, <sighs> and we're going to get back to our callers in just a moment. Uh, first of all, let me do some exercise. I haven't started my exercises yet, and i got to get in shape for my Speedo, you know? So, <laughs> Where I put we the go. blinkers on. There we are. I'm Why would Frank be exercises. wearing a Speedo? Good question. <laughs> yeah, yes. Underneath a <laughs> Lycra suit, he's got a Speedo. Because uh, both Frank and I like to stay active. Um, myself, out in the garden very soon. Frank, kickboxing, uh, golfing, walking, yes. just, you know, man of many, many talents. And we stay active and pain-free by taking Sierra Sil every day, three little pills. And yeah, just those joints and, and knuckles and things don't hurt as much when you take Sierra Sil. So if you're interested, learn more, give them a call, one eight seven seven joint 14 or check them on the web, sierrasil.ca, or pick up Sierra Sil at many of your local health food stores. Like in St. Catharines, what's it called? The peanut the mill? mill? Yeah, yeah the peanut mill. Wellander. They carry mm-hmm. Sierra Cell. Well, in Geneva, actually. Oh. Yes, there you are. S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And we're going to haul our little hineys off to Hamilton and say hi to... You might. (laughs) Okay, she's going to haul her big hiney off to Hamilton. Dave is on the line. Good morning, Dave. Hello, Dave. Hello. Good morning. You want to turn down your radio there? That would help me. Right. Okay. I wanted to check uh, with you on apple and pear tree Mm. pruning. Mm -hmm. When can it be done? It should be done right now. Right now? Yep. Okay. Even back in, you know, March. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now the spray, dormant spray. Yes. Uh, do that directly after the pruning. Yes. And can you use that same spray on the euonymus? Yes. Okay. Good. Yes. And but follow the instructions on the dormant spray. It's pretty specific in terms of temperature. Okay. Got to be above zero. Yeah. Uh, you don't want rain within 24 hours, and preferably uh, spray on a non-windy day. Right. Okay. You don't want to be wearing the dormant spray because it's oily and <laughs> you'll smell like rotten eggs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> okay, thank okay. you. Hey, Dave, thank you very Thanks much for calling. Call. Thanks. Okay, take care. At 9.44, the time here on The Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio. Let's zoom along to Scarborough, and Bud is on the line. Hi, Bud. Frank, Charlie. Good morning. We've got a climber here. It's about 20 years old, mm-hmm. and we have to dig it up because there's a leak in the basement wall, mm. and we just want to park it for a while and put it back in the space. Some of the streamers off it are probably 10 to 12 feet long. Would we have to cut it back severely or what? Yeah, you'll be far more effective if you do cut it back severely because when you dig it up and park it, you will have left behind a substantial number of roots. You'll never be able to dig all those roots up. Uh-huh. So to balance off the, the pruning of the roots, you're going to have to prune the top as well. 
Now, a 20-year-old plant is a little tricky to move, but it's, it's certainly worth, um, worth the effort. Uh-huh. I would, if you can, have like an old sheet or a piece of burlap, something like that around, so that when you do use your sharp shovel and go all the way around to sever the roots and, and provide that ball, that root ball, do everything in your power to keep the soil on the roots as uh-huh. the plant is coming up out of the ground. And that's where you're using, basically what I do is I dig like a moat all the way around, or if I'm up against a wall, obviously it's... something under it. Yeah, and then you use that moat to roll your sheet or your burlap or whatever down into the moat. And then, of course, with some help, somebody is cutting under the rows, and you're, meanwhile, down on your hands and knees, sliding that fabric underneath, uh-huh. bringing it up, tying it all up in knots, and then lifting the whole thing out, but do all all kinds of top pruning buff at the same time, and it'll be much easier to deal with. Put the plant in the shade and water every whatever time it required. Like, don't let it dry out sitting above ground. Uh-huh. And then, uh, of course, once everything's ready to go, back into that spot with some great soil. Uh, how long would you leave the streamers off the main route? To make it all something you can move and and deal with and not you know lose your eyes in the process. Well, five six feet or something. Yeah, like I'd go even lower. I'd probably bring it down to three or four feet. Three or four feet. Yep, yep. Don't hesitate to really. You're going to do some pretty severe pruning of the top, but yeah. frankly, it's pretty severe pruning of the roots as well. Okay, a, thanks very much. You're very welcome. Thank you, bud. Thanks Let's for your call. Take care. Nice to have you on the show, and uh, hey, we're staying in town now this time around. Uh, T.O., a call from Elaine. Hey, Elaine, hi, and good morning. Good morning. morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm calling about zinnias. I love zinnias, and I plant them every year, but it seems every year I have a battle with insects uh, eating the plants. They, they grow three or four leaves, and then the next day I go out, and they're down to zero. And last year, I just reseeded and reseeded. And re- I must have reseeded it. A million plants. Wow. Until I got some. Um, hmm. What can I do to... Uh, and they're the little seedlings when the leaves are getting eaten. Yes. And it's not the stems. The stems are still standing there, but the leaves are gone. Right. I think you might be having earwigs doing that because it's happening overnight, right? It's They're fine when mm-hmm. you go to bed and when you wake up in the morning, the leaves are missing. Mm-hmm. But we we put in the um, the little hoses and the, uh, you know, the beer in the containers. Yeah, that's good for slugs, not for earwigs. Yeah. <clears throat> you know what you can do is set up what we call earwig traps. So you're right, it's a piece of hose or empty okay, yeah, we've bamboo. Done that. Okay, but do you empty those hoses every yeah, morning? Mm-hmm. Okay, and what is there are there insects inside? Uh earwigs, but Yeah. Yeah. Right. Is there any kind of spray that I can use on them? No, there was, there's never been a spray. There used to be um, uh, some pellets that we put out to control earwigs. Okay, uh, we have I poison. can't get them anymore. No, you'd have to drive down to the States if you wanted to buy mm. something called Earwig Destroyer is what it was. But it was, um, it, you know, it's technically, a, it is against the law to use it in Ontario. Uh, it is a toxic um pellet that sits right on the surface and it works like a charm because the earwigs eat it and they, the population never disappears, but it certainly lowers the population. Is it better maybe to start the zinnias indoors then? Uh, you could. The other thing would be, consider, I wonder if you could do some kind of um, little protection on the, the little baby zinnias as they're starting to come up. Um, you know, we there's something that we use for cutworms and it's where you almost put like a disc around 
the base of the plant uh, that's like a collar at the base of each of the plants, and it keeps the cutworms from just cutting the stems off at ground level. Oh. And it could potentially work to keep the earwigs as well, because the earwigs wouldn't, wouldn't go up the collar and down and around. Just a, like a real little barrier, something that would, would keep them away. That's, that's what I'd be inclined to do. Let, leave it with me. Plants and they, yeah. they're, they're easy to care for, but they're just... I, I did win last year. I, I managed to save a few. But still, you I had to plant thousands. So many seeds. Yeah. Well, let me see if I could, if, and, or maybe one of our listeners has an idea. Young plants, earwig protection. Because, yes, you're right. It is, they can be a real problem when the, any little sprouts of any seedlings are coming up. They can just devastate. Bean seedlings, I have this happen to me quite often as well. Mm-hmm. All the leaves are gone, and then that's it. Done. Got to start again. So, uh, so yeah, let's, uh, l- l- let me report back. And like I said, maybe a listener will have a suggestion as well. Okay, great. I'll listen uh, next week. And yeah, thanks, Elaine. Show. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Elaine. Right, bye-bye. Okay, have a great Saturday and, in fact, the entire weekend. Uh, listening, of course, to AM740 Zoomer Radio. Um, we're going to go out to Sutton in just a couple of minutes, but we have to take a little bit of a break here on The Garden Show with uh, Frank Proctor aboard as the undergardener. All right, back in a moment. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. The Trini Lopez and singing Lemon Tree Oh So Pretty. Because that's what Gary's going to talk about in Sutton. A lemon tree, is that right? Hello, Gary. Hello, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. Um, I talked to you a while ago. I had a lemon tree up my front porch uh, through most of the winter, and uh, so you suggested mm-hmm. we bring it in, put it in some sunlight, give it a bit of water, and it'll start blooming like crazy, mm-hmm. which it is doing now. Mm-hmm. I got blooms all over the place. Uh, do I have to, should I cross-pollinate these things with each other? You know, that's a good question. No, what I think, so specific, eh? every plant is so specific. In the absence of cross-pollination happening, so insects buzzing around, uh, sharing the pollen, plant, the lemon trees will self-pollinate. Now, oh, you won't okay. get as much fruit when the plant self-pollinates as you would with cross-pollination, keeping in mind that true cross-pollination would mean pollen from another lemon tree, but you just have the one, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, if you wanted to get out your little soft paintbrush or a little Q-tip, you could yeah. go along and just do that sort of touching one flower and then touching another flower and just try and uh, maximize the uh, the pollination because you don't have insects flying around doing right. it for you. You don't have wind, you know, blasting around uh, spreading that pollen. So it can be a way, if you really want the fruit, that, that would be a way to maximize it. Okay. Uh, now, are we ready to have all these blossoms? What's that? Is it early to have all these blossoms on the plant? No, no. They they were they're responding to the longer days, just like oh, really? all the plants really? okay. are. Yeah, yeah. Of course, they're tropical, so they don't know it's zero outside. Okay. They just know the days are longer, and it's April, and it's time to flower. Yeah, just, oh, should I start giving them some fertilizer, Miracle Grow or something? Yes, I would give some consistent okay. fertilizing every two weeks, right through till August. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Appreciate Super. that. Thanks for your call. Thank you, Gary. Nice to have you on the show. And, uh, hey, it's off to Aurelia to have a word with Deb. Good day, Deb. You have some advice for us, do you? No, actually, I have a question. Oh, okay. Good morning. Hi. Um, little hints you read in magazines all the time about plants. 
Mm-hmm. One is very specific about poinsettias, mm-hmm. uh, helping it balance back to saying use black, white, or green tea, mm-hmm. uh, bags, leftover bags, mm-hmm. once they've soaked in liquid and cooled to room temperature, because the tannic acid will encourage healthy plant growth and blooms. Mm-hmm. Now, is that something I should even attempt? <laughs> Many people use tea to fertilize mm-hmm. plants. Some people even just put the old tea bags out, just straight out into the garden without even bothering to compost them. Okay. Nothing wrong with the tea. Personally, I wouldn't put tea bags directly into potted plants, but um, but for sure, no, there's some wonderful minerals in tea that many plants respond very highly to. Just be careful you're not overdoing, you know, sort of tea every day on the plants because that would just end up overwatering them as well. Okay, no, actually, I probably use, would use them the way you would normally water your plants once a week right. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it should work, and it, would it hurt any specific plant, or is it just an all-around? It's an all-around. As far as I know, there's no uh, plant that's not going to... You, you may see absolutely very little response from the, the tea concoction with some plants, but with others, mm-hmm. you will certainly see a, a difference. Okay, well, that sounds good. I just didn't want to hurt the two plants that seem to be growing quite well that I still have for some reason, poinsettias. And the other one, which I'm a little worried about with insects, it says boil your potatoes or pasta, save the water, strain it, and then feed your plants. Hmm. And that's supposed to control from insects? Well, it says the lingering starch in the water will add nutrients to the soil that the foliage needs to thrive. Hmm. Well... Okay, my only issue, yes, I I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that. I don't think you're going to hurt plants by doing that. My only issue is that when we use concoctions that we make at home, even some of the, you know, baking soda, whatever, various and sundry things that we can do to control insects, uh, weeds, uh, diseases, make our own fertilizers, is that you don't really know what you've got there. So plants do need some macronutrients and some micronutrients and you the good thing about the synthetics out there is there's your box there's your absolute analysis of what you're feeding uh, by right down to percentages and and I'm talking like you know tiny little bits of zinc you know tiny little bits of magnesium are absolutely essential for plant growth so if we rely on pasta or potato water to do a lot of feeding yes we know there's carbohydrate in there so we know there's some carbons and some hydrogens and some oxygens and who knows a few other things because of salt in the water there's going to perhaps be some sodium and some you know little minerals but what about the whole gamut? What about the balance? And what about ensuring that the plants are really getting everything they need? That's okay. my concern. Okay, so I'm almost getting the impression that maybe that wouldn't be a great idea, but that the tea couldn't possibly hurt anything? Exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much. <laughs> okay, Deb. <laughs> Thanks for okay, your call. Thank you, you bet. I should have asked Deb if she was a first-time caller. I have a feeling she might have been. Oh, really? Hmm. Mm. And I missed the bell. Darn. Oh, well. Oh, well. See if Alan is a first-time caller or not from uh, Oakville. Hi, Alan. Hi, good morning, guys. Yeah, I'm a first-time caller. My well. wife has called before, but this is first time for me. That's good. That Welcome. That deserves a two-ringer for you. <laughs> Thank you. So we... we Last, late last uh, summer, August, we had the grub problem, and then the skunks dug up the lawn. And uh, I'm looking for a strategy, because as I look out now, the skunks or something is back digging up the lawn. Uh, I see about three or four big holes this morning. Mm-hmm. So tell me, did you last August apply nematodes to your lawn? No, I didn't do that. After when the grubs were there, I figured it was too late to... 
Okay, so this is where understanding the life cycle of the grub is very important. Now, the trick to this lecture I'm about to give you is that not all grubs have the exact same life cycle. Some of them actually take two, even three years before they emerge from the soil as adults. Okay. But generally speaking... At this time of year, in early spring, there are quite large, mature grubs that when spent the winter down below the frost line, and then as our lawns and gardens are starting to thaw, we'll move up into the soil and start chewing the roots of anything nearby. Okay. So it could be the roots of your turf grasses. It could be roots in, the, in garden, ornamental gardens. Either way, these are those ugly, white, fat um, insects right. that are if you they if you pull them up out of the garden they're they're in the shape of shape of the letter C yeah, exactly, they have yeah. a brown head mm-hmm. and six little legs on the front so right. they're very d- distinctive insects those grubs will continue to chew 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 our gardens the roots in our gardens right through until the next part of their life cycle which is when they pupate so they go into a little cocoon the cocoon process happens for about three weeks and then they emerge as big beetles. June beetles, um, European chafers, and Japanese beetles. These are all the adult form of those ugly grubs that are okay. in the soil right now. I've noticed uh, back last summer a moth-type uh, flying out of the grass. I wonder if that was the... No, if it's a mo- there are you will see the moths all dangling and dancing down low, but they are not part of that same insect okay. group. So, bottom line, um, those adult June beetles and Japanese beetles flying around. Their whole reason for coming up out of the soil is to mate, lay eggs, and die. The laying of eggs happens usually in June or July, depending on the weather. The eggs sit in the soil for about six weeks and then hatch. It's those little, tiny, newly hatched grubs that are too small for us to see that the nematodes are very good at controlling. And that's why if we suspect grubs in our lawns, we need to be on the grub duty or grub patrol in early August, generally speaking, in southern Ontario, just to try and prevent problems in the future. Right, okay. So that's your trick. So that's a kind of a long story, and we're going to run out of time, so I'll just finish quickly and say um, what you can... The only thing you can do now, I'm afraid to say, is let those horrible skunks, raccoons, starlings eat the grubs. Let and, them clean them up, yeah. yeah. And then come about May, mid-May, you will be in a position to fix your lawn. Okay, so that's, put down some new sod then. That's right, sod yep. or seed or and you know yep. fertilizer and all that leveling and raking will take place then. It's about mid-May. Yep, so okay, until then you just got to have a bit of a wild-looking space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks. All right, thanks for your call. Thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, okay, uh, and Charlie, I just looked up and thought, I'm going mad. Uh, there is uh, Marilyn Wetzel again. She's oh, come back. back. This, but she's, I think she's going to be a guest. On the car um, the, show. Yes, Dave's car Corner guys. Garage. Alan Gelman getting everything set there. Dave uh, Redinger, of course, is uh, always set to go, as we know. <laughs> and uh, they'll have a good time. They will. I can see they're, they're already at it now. So you're back later. Yes, at and, noon with the diner. And uh, certainly thank you very much, James. Thank you, Frank. Thanks to all our great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.